0: One of the things that I have gone back to see and visit in scripture was uh, the days that were leading up to the crucifixion, the days in Christ. And we talked about Christ in the Old Testament as the Lamb of God. We just sang that, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of man which takes away my sin. And, uh, but there was another t- title that we're familiar with that he was called, and that's the Lion of Judah. Amen. And I think that the difference between the Lamb of God and the li- Lion of Judah is because Christ was all God and all man. You see, so I've been visiting the scriptures that kind of reveal that Christ was, and it was based on the verse of scripture that says that we have been predestined to be conformed to his image. And then there's the scripture that talks about how in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 that we with an unveiled face behold as in a mirror, which in Scripture, a mirror was the Word of God. In James, it talks about the Word of God being a mirror. And it says, uh, We with an unveiled face behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We behold his glory and are changed into the same image from glory to glory in Isaiah talked about growing in the lord from glory to glory line upon line precept upon precept here a little there a little so we grow in the glory of god so we was we've been looking back at the scriptures and we could look at the, all of the Gospels, but I've just been focusing on the last few days. Now, if you want to study something, let me encourage you to study John, the book of John, chapter 14, 15, 16 and 17. These are the words that was taught by Jesus the week before. He was to be crucified. And uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into every good work. But there's just something about his last words that he's telling his disciple. It's like he gets, he gets down and personal with them. And, uh, when we looked at, uh, when he went into the temple, it was, uh, Palm Sunday, it's called, the week before, And when we went into the temple, it says that, uh, He came in riding on a donkey. And I think that that describes him as the Lamb of God. But when he comes into the temple, he gets a whip and he whips the money changers out of the temple. And says, my house shall be a house of prayer. Kind of describes him as the Lion of Judah. Then there's a series of things that happens two days, through that all. The first thing that happens, the first day he was there, is that the people begin to sing "Hosanna, Hosanna." It's also what they sung or said to him, coming in on the donkey," how uh, he rode from Bethany, that town of Bethany, into Jerusalem. And they threw coats down in front of him, and they waved palm branches, and they threw the palm branches down, and they began to sing, Hosanna, Hosanna. Which means, Lord, come save quickly. (laughs) Come save quickly. Later in the church, Hosanna began, began because he had come and saved us quickly. (laughs) Later, it became a song of praise. But it was a song of request. And the people began to sing, Hosanna, Hosanna. Then when they came into the temple, they also began the people to say, Hosanna, Hosanna. And the priest came unto Jesus and says, can't you hear what these people are saying? Shut them up. Tell them to be quiet. And Jesus quotes from Psalm 2, Psalm 8, verse 2. Have you never read that out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast, that in the Psalms that we read, says, uh, ordained strength. Jesus says, thou hast perfected praise. Because the strength that God has ordained in babies. Raise your hand if you're a baby. Minds up. The strength that is in the mouths of babies is perfected praise. So the first thing he says is praise and worship is of a priority. Then the next thing, there's several parables that he says. And The next thing he says is that, have you never read the stone that the builders rejected has become the headstone of the corner? Now, that's just a short statement, but it's referring to the temple being rebuilt after it is torn down. But it's built by living stones, according to 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Living stones. And so, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. In Ephesians, it says that the temple is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. 1 Peter chapter 2 it refers to Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone so Jesus says have you never read that the stone the builders rejected has become the headstone of the corner now what he's going through here is saying why he's going to die why is he's going to one of them is to bring praise to the people for salvation which his life gives the Lamb of God which gives For salvation. The other one was. That the stone the builders rejected. Later on. Says a few more parables. We might get into those at one time. But he says a few more parables. And then he uh, gets questioned one more time. And this time they send a lawyer. Now they've, they've sent the Pharisees. They've sent the scribes. They've sent the priests. And you read about it in Matthew 21 and 22. Then the last one they sent is a lawyer. And the lawyer says, which of all is the most important commandment? And Jesus says, "Uh, the first of all commandments is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. We know from reading Romans 5... That when the law was given And that was given That that's impossible That we find that It was impossible to keep the law Then he says the second is like Namely this thou shalt love thy neighbor As thyself Now basically he's lying, He's laying down why he's Going to die is so that Mankind can Love the Lord thy God with all Our hearts with all our mind with all our strength and we can love our neighbor as ourselves. Only through him, though. Then he says to the lawyer, uh, now I want to ask you a question. And the lawyer says, Okay. And he says, uh, Who was Jesus? Who was the father of uh, not, Who was the father of the Messiah? And so he says, Well, he's the son of David. The Messiah is the son of David. And Jesus quotes a scripture from Psalm 110 verse 1. And he says this, he says, well, if the Messiah is the son of David, then why did David call him his Lord? good, Good question, right? And it was like, they didn't know. And he says, they didn't ask him any more questions after that. And so that psalm in Psalm 110 basically is referring to, which also is quoted in the New Testament uh, twice. It's one time, it's in Hebrews 1. And the psalm says that sit here, at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now that's referring to Jesus. David wrote it and he later calls him Lord. Sit here at my right hand until I make. That's quoted about Jesus in the first chapter of Hebrews. So you see that Jesus came to save mankind, but he also came to build a, a temple. Of living stones himself. Being the chief cornerstone. And he also came to. Have us. Able. Through him. To love God with all our hearts. Mind, body, soul and spirits. And then. It says. Now here's an, here's an interesting thing. All of us know. And most. Christians and theologians know. That. Jesus came from heaven and he, through his life, three and a half years of ministry, he crushed Satan's head. He he stomped him with his heel, with his foot. And uh, many times. And then, but what the devils would say to him and Satan would say to him and his servants why are you doing this now? Why have you come to punish us before the time? They knew something that what he was doing then was not going to be what he was going to do later. You understand? He did, he was crushing Satan's head. But we also know that through his death, burial, and resurrection, he crushed Satan's head again. But this is still not what it was referring to. Because in Psalm 110, in Hebrews 1, it says in Hebrews 1, About the Lord, when he was raised from the dead, He sat down at the right hand of throne in majesty. And the father says to him. Sit here. Until I make your enemies your footstool. How is that so? Well. Goes back to when the temple is built. That we are the living stones. That we are the body of Christ. That we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that. What he means then is, yes, you know, when Jesus, when he sent his disciples out, he sent the uh, 70 out and he gave them power over demons and over, over sickness and over, and he sent them out. And when they came back, they said, even the demons obeyed us. And he says something very interesting. He says, should that be a surprise? I mean, after all, I saw Satan fall from heaven. It's referring to Isaiah fourteen, which talks about the son, uh, 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 the son of the morning. This is incidentary, by the way. This is the uh, there are a couple of of uh, uh, names for Satan that also are given to Jesus. And one of them is morning star. And Satan was called the son of the morning. And how his beauty. And it describes his beauty with all kinds of of emeralds and things. And he was so beautiful. And he was in charge of the worship in heaven. But there was sin found in him. Because he said well I am equal to the most high God. You know, it's it's kind of a temptation that many people that are involved in worship fall into. Be, you know, not necessarily fall, but they're they're attacked with, and some of them fall because what happens to people that are worshiping God can, through temptation, get to thinking that their position is as great. As their responsibility. See worship leaders lead us into worship. And they'll get to thinking. If the devil will try to get them. Will try to get them to thinking. That they are equal to what their responsibility. And this is what happened to Satan. He started thinking he was equal with God. And then it said he fell from heaven. Because God threw him out of heaven. And he took a third of the angels with him. And that's when he, they were put on earth. And so when, when Jesus, when he says to the disciples, why are you so surprised that the demons obey you? I saw Satan fall from heaven. I was there when it happened. And then they, and then you, so you see, when he was here on earth, he crushed Satan's head again. He crushed him in heaven, crushed his head in heaven. He crushed it on earth. And then he crushed Satan's head through the death, burial and resurrection. And yet in Hebrews, the first chapter, God says to him, after he is raised from the dead, Sit here at my right hand Until I make your enemies your footstool So how is this going to be? Well, I, I think it's pretty simple One of the ways that Jesus hadn't crushed Satan's head Is with his new body And not his new body that was raised from the dead His new body, the church You see, we being the church Are have been in the process and this is a uh, something that has to be fulfilled before he comes back because Jesus, the father says sit here until i make your enemies your footstool so that has to be accomplished now i'm not saying that isn't gonna, that he's not gonna come back today because i'm not the one to determine when it is accomplished but it has to be accomplished through the church because we are the body of Christ. And we are the ones that's supposed to step on Satan's head. Amen. Do you follow all that? So. He says. Worship. Uh, temple. Love the Lord thy God. And then he says. Because we are going to crush his head. All of these things are going to be done. Uh, Refer to a process that Jesus is in the Holy Spirit and God is doing in the church Everybody follow that So those are those things that happens when he comes into Jerusalem And in the temple for two days There are more about him coming into Jerusalem We may look at that later, not today But you got John 14, 15, 16 and 17 Study that Because this is Jesus imparting to his disciples, knowing that he's going to go, he's going to be crucified, and he's going to be raised from the dead. Now, I was thinking recently, or praying, and thinking about something that hadn't occurred to me before. Maybe not this way. And I was just talking about talking about it with Pastor Norm Moran this last week, and it is this: How does God? What what means does God refer to in Scripture of cleansing His people? Now, the first thing that should come to our minds is not by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood. He entered into the Holy of Holies and obtained eternal redemption for us. Amen. Amen. So the first thing is the blood. And it is effective 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Continuously. It cleanses you from sins past, sins present and sins future. It is powerful. So we all know about the blood. What are some of the other ways that the scriptures talk about that? The word. word. He says in in John 15. He says now. And after he's been talking. He says now are you clean to his disciples. Are you clean by the words. By the word which I have spoken to you. So he's. Then he says it in Ephesians 5. He says this. For this cause shall a man leave his father to his mother. But I speak a great mystery. I speak concerning Christ in the church. Because late before that he says. He is marrying a bride. That is without spot or wrinkle. And he's washed the bride. With the washing of the water by the word. So it refers to. The word of God washing us and cleansing us. And of course, these are intertwined. Inextricably (laughs) entwined. And so what's some other ways though? Yes. Fire. Fire. Amen. Isaiah was before God. And he says, I'm an unclean person and I dwell among... uh, I have unclean lips and I dwell among a people that are unclean. And it says and God angel went over and took a hot red hot coal out of a cauldron and came over and and dropped it on his mouth and purged him of his sins. This is what I believe is happening when the Holy Ghost comes. When the Holy Ghost comes and why is it different? Well because when uh, When you got saved, Jesus, you became uh, an individual rock in the temple. But when the Holy Ghost come and dropped fire on him, you know, uh, Jesus said he was going to baptize us with the Holy Ghost and fire. Okay. I knew a Lutheran pastor in, in Amarillo, Texas once. And uh, he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. He says, "I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and fired." <laughs> and uh, he he got 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 it big time, and he did. He he had to leave, and he started another church. And uh, last time I was in Amarillo, which was was uh, not too many years, a couple of years after that, it happened and uh, his church he was saying that uh on an average sunday the offering was $10,000 this is and the and the piece, place was just packed so god was blessing him he got filled with the holy ghost and fired but god said he's going to baptize with the holy ghost and fire the difference is the fire is in the church see The fire is burning our mouths when we get baptized and speak in tongues because it's the biggest problem in the church is our mouth. It's Isaiah's biggest problem too. And that's what happened. And I thought of, there's two more ways that I have thought of. One of them is uh, referred to in a different way. Probably the same thing as What we've already talked about. But in uh, Titus, the third chapter, verse five, he says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us and the washing of regeneration by the Holy Ghost. So there's a washing. And then he says how he has shed that upon us liberally. He, being Christ, I believe, has shed the Holy Ghost upon us liberally. And so that's incredible because you connect the two together. You're washed by the blood of Jesus and the Holy Ghost regenerates us. You see that not by works of righteousness, but according to his mercy, he saved us and the washing of regeneration or the regeneration and the washing by the Holy Ghost. Another verse of scripture says the outward man perishes, but the inner man, the spirit man is renewed day by day. I was just watching uh, God's Bell. Again, and if you know it's if 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 you haven't seen God's Bell, first of all, you got to know that it was kind of produced in as far as hippies were concerned, and that's kind of my day. You know, um, I'm a '60s generation guy, and you know, hippies were something like I especially come to appreciate and learn about because I in the Navy was. Stationed 35 miles from, from uh, San Francisco. And we went there frequently. And we got to see a lot of them. So hippies and uh, in the Jesus movement uh, made a movie called Godspell. And it, I, th- I thought there was a lot of beautiful things. And it. it was mostly about the, the Sermon on the Mountain. Because they were acting these things out beautifully. And one of my favorite songs in there is Day by Day. You may have heard that day by day to see you more clearly, to love you more dearly, to, fo- to follow you more nearly day by day. How do you like that? Amen. To see you more Clearly. To love you more dearly, to follow you more nearly day by day. Well, day by day, the inner man is renewed, regenerated by the washing of regeneration, by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Holy, wonderful. Is that great? Every day you've got a brand new start. Amen? Amen. amen amen I you know the whole thing this is the first day of the rest of your life. how about this is the first day this is the first day of all of your life <laughs> because you should live every day like it's the only day you got to live. Glory to God. Amen. Okay, there's one other way and we find this one other way that God we talked about cleansing us. And it is before the Passover. Jesus does something. Now remember John fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. 16. All, if you've got a red letter Bible, it's all red letter practically. Very little. You know, once in a while, the disciples will throw something out. Like Philip <laughs> Jesus says, he, he and the Father are one, and yada, 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 And then Philip says, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us, or it's, it would satisfy us. And Jesus goes, oh boy. Oh boy, oh Philip, have you been with me so long, and you don't know that when you see me, you've seen the Father? For I and the Father are one. Which he's already just said that. He get he gets shows, sometimes he gets a little frustrated with him. So, but the red letter will show nearly all of 14, 15, 16, 17 is red letters because they're words of Jesus. Well, before he starts teaching, there's the Passover. And before the Passover, there's John 13 so let's look at that John 13 verse 1 until I say so now before the passover before the feast of the passover now you do understand that the passover is when Jesus was crucified the passover good friday and then the passover ended And then the first day of the week was first fruits, which was the day he was raised from the dead. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, Now, this is so amazing right here. The devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Now, this is, you you guys probably have read the Bible long enough to know that what happened after this was the Passover. And the Passover is what we celebrate when we break bread. But it's not the Passover of Egypt, but is the Passover of Christ. It is when God, Jesus, broke bread the Passover with his disciples. And you know, at the Passover, they say, "Who is going to betray you?" And he says, "He that dippeth, you know, sop in the in the sop with me." And it was Judas, and then he licks. Now, what is about to happen and the Passover happens, Jesus knowing that it was now, and supper being ended, the devil now having put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Next verse. Jesus knowing, because he knew that. Jesus knowing that the Father hath given all things into his hand, And by the way, just before I forget, this is something, this was on Thursday, by the way, and it's called Monday Thursday. How many of you have heard that? Monday Thursday. You might know that Monday, it's called Monday Thursday because in the Catholic Church, there was a tradition that they would give out this money that they would make to the poor people. And the poor people would take that money and then they could buy things in the stores with them. And they were good. The money was good so that they could buy food and, and various things. And it was in celebration of what happened on this day. And Monday was the name of the money. And so it's called Monday, Thursday because they would in fig or they would as this would be a a substitute or a symbolic of what this would be. We'll go into it. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Now, this is very important because you can't really do what he's about to do unless you know these three things. Knowing that God has put all things into him. How do we know that? Well, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he said he puts all things into their hands. And he says, go disciple the nations, go preach the gospel. And then he says this, Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things to his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. How many of you know that you've come from God? How many of you know you're going to God? If you know Christ as your Savior, you're on the way. Maybe not today, though. <laughs> Although I wouldn't mind. <laughs> Anytime. I'm ready. He riseth from supper, laid aside his garments. You know, there was, all of this is symbolic of something. Because laying aside the garments is something that he was, he didn't just change clothes. He took his clothes off. You know, he humbled Himself to do what he was about to do. He humbled himself all the way. We, call it, we read about it in Philippians. The second chapter. How much he humbled himself. It says he, he came from God. He humbled himself. To be a servant. And a, a servant. All the way to the cross. So anyway it says. He rises from supper. Laid aside his garments. Took a towel. And he girded himself with it next verse please verse 5 there after that he pours water into a bat basin and began to wash the disciples feet now this was something that it was a tradition in a very if you had a, a wealthy man and you had a guest come into your house you would have it would be the lowest position of a servant could be a slave most of those time when you read about slaves they were indentured slaves which means they were working off a debt right but anyway it would be the lowest position in the house to wash their feet because they wore sandals their feet got really dirty and even the oil that they would put in the hair it would be combed out and it was a form of getting the dirt out of the hair and having a Nice fragrance on put on them, and they would wash their feet. The lowest servant in the house would do it. He says, So he poured washing it, and he began to wash the disciples' feet, wash them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Next verse, please. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, are you what are you doing? You're washing my feet. You're not my feet. Next verse. We're going to go be going down with verse after verse so. Okay, Regish? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do now that you don't know. But thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, You, you don't wash my feet. Wash all of me then. You know, if if, if that's so important. Good, let's see. Thou shalt never let's go back up. I skipped some verse. Back up. Next verse. Verse before. Can you back up? There. Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do now thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. Next verse. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered and says, If I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me in this. Simon Peter saith unto him, Then, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Wash all of me. And Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needeth not, save to wash his feet. But he is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. That's kind of referring to Judas at the same time. Later on, you can take it off now. Later on, he says, I have washed your feet as an example so that you would wash one another's feet. So here's the deal, okay? This is one way which we, through Jesus, through us, are commissioned to clean people. And you know what it is? When we walk together and we walk with the Lord, our feet get dirty. You understand? The Bible says in James, confess your faults one to another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. You see, we have, we pick up dirt along the way on our feet. And it's symbolic. It's symbolic of basically walking with the Lord. We, uh, we, we fail sometimes. And Jesus, and Peter says this. He said, uh. Forgive one another abundantly. You know, uh, where sin doth abound, grace does much more abound. In Romans 5, talking about Adam's sin and, and Jesus' wash cleansing. Grace does much more abound. But God wants us to wash one another's feet. This is a way. When we go to God as a living sacrifice and love him with all our hearts and worship him with all our hearts he's going to send us back to earth and when he sends us back I'm not talking about dying and going to God I'm talking about dying to self and worshiping him presenting our bodies a living sacrifice and when we present our bodies a living sacrifice to worship and pray and to love him with all our hearts then he says I want you to go back and we say, we, we used the scripture, a scripture in Ephesians 5, 1, which says. Uh, for you to love one another, even as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. God wants us to love one another just as Jesus loved us. He wants us to wash one another's feet just as Jesus washed our our feet. Or washed the disciples feet. And through us vicariously. Through us Jesus will wash our feet. And that's the fourth or fifth way. If you want to count the regeneration. How many of you are willing to be sent from God. To wash one another's feet. What if I said pull somebody out right now. And say. And pull somebody else out. So. I want you to wash their feet. Amen. I don't know. I have had an occasion about 25 years ago where a lady we in a prayer meeting we were going to said she wanted to wash my feet. And I, my reaction was, oh, I don't want her to do that and so I said uh, I'm not going to use her name but I said you wash my feet every time I come because it's symbolic of serving one another you know the Bible says the disciples or the mother of James and John came to Jesus and said to him Will you let my sons sit at your right and left hand when you when you while they, when you're in glory? <laughs> and Jesus says, uh, "Can they drink of the same cup that I drink from? Can they eat of the same bread that I'm going to eat? Meaning the cross." And they said, "Yeah." He says, well, I guess you can, really. (laughs) But it's the servants that are going to sit at my right hand. The servant of all. The servant of all will be, the first shall be last. The last shall be first. The servant of all shall be the leader of them all. I heard a teaching one time about leadership. It says, if you're a leader that serves that ain't going to cut it. You have to be a servant that leads <laughs> because the emphasis is on serving. So hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you wash us clean by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you wash us and I thank you, Jesus, that you wash us Not only with your blood, but with your word. With the washing of the water by the word. That we should be a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. A glorious bride. Without spot or wrinkle. Or any such thing. And you wash us with the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And you wash us by purging us with fire. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for that. And you wash our feet in serving us. And Lord, may we learn to be sent from you to wash one another's feet. Hallelujah, hallelujah.